Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hello, party people. Welcome back. We're so happy to be here with Jennifer Pierce today. Jen is a client of ours and such a wonderful human being. She is also a coach for coaches she has developed a proven three-phase framework for building a coaching business from the ground up, seriously, from zero clients, no idea where to start, to a thriving, profitable, six-figure coaching empire. She knows how to do it and has helped so many coaches get there and done it herself. And her method is really unlike any that I've ever encountered. So very unique, brilliant human being on the other side of the screen. And thank you for being here, Jen. Oh my God, that was like the most incredible intro. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm so excited. I swear some of our like one-on-one calls working together could have just been a podcast because we have so much fun and we digress and end up talking about food. <laughs> it always comes back to food. Hmm. It's really important for the brand, to be totally honest. It's like, you know, you need to be close to your soul, right? And I mean, that's something that you teach about too, like like energy and your business. So I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna step mm. out that because um, because since we worked with you pretty intimately I might just start like spouting things off um which it would be much nicer to get them from you um we always start with the same question if we can remember to jump into it so I'm going to throw it at you and you can let us know what you think which is do you identify with any of the characteristics of your astrology or human design or Enneagram or disc or the list goes on and on (laughs) is there anything in these like personality types or I guess like esoteric knowledge types that you really identify with oh yeah definitely I mean the one that I'm into the most is the one that I've discovered the most recently human design I found out I was a projector years ago and then I read some like little paragraph blur but I just didn't resonate like waiting for invitation like what is this right And in my current mastermind, a peer of mine is an expert and one of like the original kind of founders kind of related to human design. And so we spent an hour together and she went so deep into it. And she was telling me things that most personality, like astrology, numerology, I guess it, it was never like talked about. So I'm a projector with like all, which makes so much sense. Cause yeah, that part you were speaking to, I'm also an empath. So with the coaches that I coach, I do energy work for them. And, and I think a lot of heart-centered coaches, they're really just naturally good listeners. And we tend to take on the energy of our clients, which can be good and bad, like therapists do, right? Because you have to know how to clear that, but it can be really good because it makes you like exceptionally intuitive as to what that client needs, which intuition helps in sales for sure. And, but for me anyway, it made sense because when she's describing like what kind, I guess I'm a mental projector. Okay. And so with like every contractor now I'm working with lately, I'll like almost preface that like, Hey, I learn through speaking. And if I go off on a tangent, please stop me because I'm trying to figure out what I mean. And it'll be this five minute thing to get to the nutshell. (laughs) Right. Okay. And I'm an emotional projector and have been going 
deeper into that. I don't know how that relates to how I process things, Yeah, but maybe writing, maybe there's something there. I could see that. Yeah. Cool. So projectorness and how has this understanding, how has it helped you in your business? You mentioned you bringing it up with contractors and like, (laughs) what else has this taught you? I mean, it was very healing a few months ago when I learned more because it was this idea of the mental projector, one that made sense as to why sometimes I'd go off on tangents trying to figure out what I mean. But also two projectors in general, all of us, like apparently we're designed differently. We're designed to not be those generators that can work eight hour days, which makes a lot of sense to me because I've wanted to be an entrepreneur and have been for the past 10 years, but it never felt right with like an eight to five at an office job, yeah, I just get wiped out. And and like what we were speaking about before, so I have a, a two and a half year old. And I mean, just having little kids, it's having owning your own business, having little children, it's like the potential for burnout in your nervous system, I guess, especially as a projector is so great that the person that I learned this from, she's like, look, as a projector, you need to rest and take naps throughout the day, which ideally I love. And I like that through understanding that it gave me permission, you know, to like, no, I'm not a generator. I'm not going to be the worker busy bee, which is partly why I like coaching because it's just a lot of like few hours for a lot of money. Um, and that's why I love to coach coaches because it's such a great profession from that point of view. But there was something else I was going to share too that like about a projector that you're kind of like, I guess that visionary, And anyway, I guess I could also say like, I've started like yourself included. I've hired so many various contractors for different things in my business, mainly only this year. And I remember by mentors always being told like five years ago to hire people. And I just didn't feel like I knew how to have employees. I didn't understand. I could have a bunch of contractors that were professionals. I kept thinking I'd have to hire an employee, train them. And anyway, long story short, having so many people do a lot of the work, let's say, while I do the feedback and refinements, it's it works so much better for a projector. Like, there's no way I could build what I'm building, DIYing it, like, myself. So yeah. it's a plug for team. <laughs> yes, I am with you 100%. It makes everything feel so much more doable and brings this totally different energy and perspective to whatever it is that you're trying to bring to life. Yeah. Mm. Plus it's not so lonely, right? You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they, you know, solopreneurs, they feel like, Oh, there's nobody but me and my business. But when you have all these various people you're working with that are like rooting for your business, it's, it's very collaborative. (laughs) Yeah, there's something about having support no matter what human design or horoscope or Myers-Briggs or whatever that you are that like, especially if you are a visionary person, if you can, I liked what you said about hiring contractors who are experts, because like, then you don't even have to figure it all out to teach it to someone else, right? You can learn from other people, but your vision can expand as well. And your imagination of what's possible can expand when you have support of like, wow, at this moment, there are five people working on my business for me and with me. Right. And it's like, okay, well, that's like a platform. That's like a trampoline as opposed to when you're trying to DIY and you're just like "Ah," grasping in all the directions and trying to be good at everything when like you're good, we're all good at certain things. Right. Um, leaning into that can be a big, like if you can give yourself the gift of being able to lean into your genius, I think like what you can create can be so much more like impactful and massive than what you might have imagined prior to that gift. Okay. This is the perfect seg. This is the perfect seg. (laughs) Love it. Like you just set that up like a serious podcasting professional, Don, because (laughs) Truly, this is what Jen does. True. And if people are listening who are like, oh, that's nice, y'all, to have a team and awesome contractors supporting you. But what if I'm like a brand new coach 
Yeah. Or a brand new service provider or, you know, just getting started and not necessarily equipped with the resources to be able to hire and work with other people who are geniuses at what they do. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's use the example of brand new total beginner coach. They can't do all the things. They're not going to be good at all the things. They likely have never had a business before. From your perspective, Jen, what's the first thing you would tell them to do? I love talking about this like all day long. The very first thing is that they need money, which sounds so like the opposite of like, they're typically in the midst of their facilitation training to be a coach where they've just completed it. And it was usually this soul-centered, heart-centered, you know, experience. And so once they enter that business world or they're ready to like learn the business, it's just fascinating how, I guess the one way I'm very different is I remind new coaches, they're essentially a new entrepreneur. They're essentially a startup company and what startup companies need more than anything. They don't need team. They don't need all the bells and whistles. They need money. And I think they, you know, the ones that understand that are, are just searching online because there's not really good, let's say institutions to teach the business development side of becoming a coach. There's a lot that teach how to coach, but not a lot that teach the business. And so I think the next place coaches always go is online where they're thrown a lot of what I would call a ramp up stage business, which is like all the marketing and all the like pieces of a puzzle, like how to host a retreat or how to build an online course. And there are all these like pieces, you know, those two examples take a great deal of online infrastructure to be successful that usually new coaches are you know, they're, they're, maybe they didn't have the money yet to leave their current job. So they don't have a lot of time and they don't have a lot of money to invest in all of the things of like presenting themselves the way they see others presented online. And, um, the easiest way, this is one of the, like why the, one of the main methods for new coaches I teach is actually for them to get clients offline. Mm. Because when you get clients in person, it's the friendliest environment to master sales, which should be sales should really be their focus because sales happens at the end of any marketing funnel anyway. So if you haven't really learned high ticket sales, why try to learn it online when when even if let's say you're brand new and you have the money to hire and to invest in the tech or you're brilliant and you figure out all the software and integrations yourself, which usually is the opposite. Once they get into it, they're like, holy, you know, like this is not what I thought. It's not a six, six week process. And anyway, long story short, at the end of that funnel, you still have to sell And if you're selling to a cold lead that just has been nurtured online, it's so different than if you like go to a great conference that could be hosted by like Marie Forleo or Tony Robbins, right? And they are inspiring everybody in the audience to really get into self-improvement and self-development and you're sitting down and everybody around you is just so excited about transformation. If you're a transformational coach on some level, that's the main universal different niches I'll have, whether you're health or executive, you know? then you're in the perfect environment to build that no like, and trust factor that happens in like five minutes with somebody in person. And inevitably, if you listen more than you talk, they tell you their unique situation and their pain points, and then you can niche to them. And that's another big way that I'm different is that in order to really kill it online, you have to be really hyper micro-targeted. That is something that a new entrepreneur, if they try to do it, it's coming out of their past career It's coming half the time out of some questionnaire and a course they got. So I've seen coaches throw over a hundred grand at the wrong brand when they're like, I want to be a divorce coach. And they like spend all this money branding themselves, never had a client. Maybe they just went through a recent divorce. So they want to help divorce women. And then when they start to get clients, they realize they hate, they hate it. They don't like that niche. Or what happens more often, like I wasn't a, I didn't obviously start off coaching coaches. I started off as a life and energy coach. I started coaching coaches because I got clients right away. And that was unusual. And then all my peers in my master's program hired, started to hire me. And I started to kind of just teach them what I was doing to get clients. And I didn't know what I was doing right. And when I got the chance to work with dozens and dozens of coaches, it's like, okay, these are the universal hangups. This is where they tend to go. 
It doesn't make sense. This is, you know, sales is a huge piece of it, knowing what to charge, all of that. And, and even eight years later, so I started in 2014 in that whole eight years, I've been able to see that the, you know, the, I call it the gospel of online funnels. <laughs> and I just, as Shanti knows about six months ago, I took two years off to be with my son when he was born. But when I came back into this business and I would go online after two years of like, if you've had, had a newborn, you understand you're kind of like out of the picture. And all of a sudden, you know, last summer, I just see endless ads to brand new coaches. This really pisses me off. And they're like, become a seven figure coach tomorrow. If you follow my six week course, like it's just smoke and weird mirrors. Like it's just, you know, getting all of these coaches, these glamorous illusions that aren't sustainable or possible. And then they quit, mm. you know, associating it with themselves when the reality is it's just bad business advice. It doesn't, it's kind of the cart before the horse. So again, this is my projectorness. <laughs> You can stop, stop me at any time. Cause I just would talk all day. <laughs> well, I love it. I mean, I would listen to you talk all day and I think you're speaking about some things that are really important that I see happening in the coaching world. One coaching programs usually don't give you a good idea of how to do business as a coach. They teach you how to like transform people's lives. And I have a lot of friends who like came from yoga, went into coaching and then just like, we're totally lost spinning their wheels. And like now aren't coaching anymore, even though it lit them up so much because they couldn't figure out how to get clients. I loved what you said about going to conferences, but I have questions about like how you can do that on a more local level, like on a smaller level. Um, just like maybe you can't really afford to go to like a date with destiny or something right after you pay 18 K for your six training program. You know what I mean? Like, so like, how can people do that in a local level in their own home base? And, and I love the idea that like your niche is going to come to you organically. If you put yourself out there in the universe, because I think we spend so much time using our brains and our minds to try and figure out where we fit in. But usually if we just take action, the universe is like, this is where you fit in. And then you're like, shit, I hate that. And you go in the other direction. I have also experienced, I've worked um, like as a launch copywriter with coaches who are like killing it in their niche, but the people they get are like so sad and dark that they can't handle like that. The coach themselves is like, I don't want to live in this world. How can I find the world I want to live in? So I'm a generator, but I still think I spoke a little bit too much there. So yeah, (laughs) come back and say, yeah, I think that what you shared in that is really interesting. And maybe first of all, how would you tell a new coach who perhaps doesn't have the money to go travel to a conference to find local meetups or gatherings and so they can organically find their niche and their clients? Yeah, that's, it's a great question. I have like a freebie that we can put, you know, in the notes that um, I call it the hierarchy of networking. I don't actually love the word networking. Maybe I'll think about like kind of renaming it because the traditional idea of networking, right, is that you're, you're slowly over time trying to like form the know, like, and trust factor which is something that I teach the opposite of. Cause the irony is you're more fascinating to people the very first time you meet them. And that first impression is huge. And it also makes the method make more sense because if you focus on the first time you ever meet somebody and you take them through the sequence I teach called the seven step discovery sequence, you basically meet a total stranger, take them through the sequence that ends with like offering a free session And so in 20 minutes or less, you've converted them into a warm to hot prospect. You're having that discovery session within a few days if possible, because, you know, somebody's fascination with meeting you peaks, you know, and it'll go down in a few days. And that relates to the idea of networking, because, you know, if a lot of people I would network with, they were starting, they were trying to build relationships with each other, which isn't what you want. Ironically, the more, you know, someone and especially if you know they're going to be there next week or next month, you know you could hire them at any time. So this is, I guess, how I create urgency in offline methods. Is that, you know, so to answer your question though, if you're in a small town, I've worked with several coaches that are in small towns. I actually had a Canadian coach and she was in this tiny island. I'm trying to remember, it was near Victoria. 
So it's in British Columbia and she killed it, you know? And so part of the offline is it's all mindset. Cause if you're like, oh, I mean, I live in Boise, Idaho now, but I lived in LA when I built my business. So that could be seen as an unfair advantage. Obviously, if you live in urban centers, yes, it can even less excuse as to why not to like get clients at events. But in small towns, you would be surprised by like on Eventbrite and meet up to your chamber of commerce to like it could be wine events, you know, in that kind of hierarchy. That first tier could be purely social, because if you are on fire with what you do Mm. and you can't stop speaking about it, you could be at your cousin's wedding. And you're just talking to people that obviously aren't your family or close friends. They're not like appropriate for your first clients and they will say yes to a free session. But most people aren't thinking about it like that, right? Like, especially if they start online, they're thinking my prospects are in this separate space versus the people that like, I met somebody a few months ago at this play place with my toddler. And I was there with our babysitter who's like with the toddler in the area And I'm like over in the snack place, like on my laptop working, I think that intrigued this other mother and her kids were less needy than mine. So she was able to talk to me while they ran around and long story short, you know, we got to chatting. She was fascinated with like the the second phase I teach, which is all online and all about building funnels and launches. And, And so she wanted to learn about that. We made a coffee date and went out for coffee. Right. And that's just an immediate perspective client that only like is kind of showing up spiritually for me because I'm open to the idea that I've over the years, I've honed knowing when somebody is a prospect. And as soon as I know that I almost go into this weird neural pathway where it's like, it changes the entire conversation to end up in that free session, if that makes sense. Hmm. And so to your point though, longer term, let's say like a coach is, you know, they don't have a lot of money. So if you are just in these smaller local regional events, you can get a few clients at three to five K, you know, like minimum base prices, and then definitely reinvest like 500 of that to then go to the next big region, like to then fly to Seattle, you know, get a client for 10 K then reinvest and go to Tony's conference. Right. So it's just, it can build on itself. Cool. I love that. Cause it sounds fun too. Like, okay, your first client, some of that money you're going to put towards going on a workcation or what have you, right? To meet more people. So yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing. I have a friend who kills it at yoga classes, not yoga classes, but does free talk at yoga studios. She's like a habits coach and like, it's hard for her online. I think trying to sell the word habit is so hard. I'm always like, Ooh, you don't want to say habit, but in person, she just like, she's just on fire. She's been doing it for years, but she's come back to in-person since the COVID restrictions have lifted. And I'm just watching her like grow and grow and grow. So I think that's really good advice. People might really miss it too. That's another thing about, you know, obviously it kind of worked out perfect with my sabbatical, like offline was not going to be really easy to teach during COVID. But now that everybody's been cooped up, it's like an events, you know, months ago started to come back full force. Like this is the time to capitalize on meeting prospects offline. And it doesn't take tech, doesn't take much money, doesn't take time. You don't have to have a niche, right? Like your, your friend could just niche to the room. And if habit is okay to say, then she says it. And if not, right, it's not like a sales page. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how you coach introverts on this method who might like Dawn's like, this sounds fun. And I'm (laughs) kind of like, maybe, maybe it would be fun, but maybe it would be really uncomfortable. So like, yeah. What is, what does that look like? If someone's like, uh, events, Uh, (laughs) it's such a great question. To be honest, I'm kind of an introverted too. I think we had talked about this before and you had brought this word to to my attention. I've never heard it before, but I think I'm an ambivert. I can turn on the extroversion and then, but I think more, I'm more comfortable as an introvert. So for me, for example, when I first started, I force myself to get in front of the room. So at various events, there will be like opportunities. Some events every time might require you to speak. That would always make me super nervous. 
energy work helps with that. I literally would do energy work on myself, driving into the event, like tapping, or I'd go into the bathroom at like the conference room and like do energy work before I had to speak. Like that's how much it's not, I don't love it, but you don't even have to do that as an introvert. What actually this method is wonderful for introverts because part of like the spiritual part of it that I teach mindset wise is that at every event, you're only looking for one or two people to do that discovery sequence, that 15 minute process with, because it's more about quality than it is about quantity. So you're not like blitzing the room. You're not like running around trying to meet everybody. You're kind of like, just, you know, asking to be led to the person, you know, who, who needs you, which is so funny because spirit has a sense of humor. Half the time it's the person you're seated next to. So it's easy. So for an introvert, you just go to the event. You can introvertly just talk to a few people. And it's those one-on-one connections that I think most introverts are comfortable with. You know, just even though it's a stranger, you're just one-on-one in general. And then you're just showing up in service, which to me, like that feels so good to new coaches because they got into the business to coach. So even if the person doesn't hire them and the person doesn't even show up for the discovery session, which is rare, you get to coach people at these events you're going to just give them free coaching, give them a, like a sense of what that's like. And, you know, if anything, that's an antidote to all the marketing you could be doing online, because one of the things I hear the most is that coaches finish their really fun educational process where they coached each other a lot. And now here they are trying to set up the business and they haven't coached in months, maybe years, because all they're doing is marketing. And they're like, I didn't want to be a marketer. <laughs> I can't afford to hire marketers yet. So, yeah. Mm, I love it. So do you have a business card? Like not you, but like, that's my other question. So I'm at this live event. I'm, you know, I'm like having a good conversation. I'm like coaching without like encroaching on boundaries. And then I'm not trying to steal your whole thing. I just don't know. Then do I say like, oh, we should jump on a call soon. Or do you say like, here's my business card. Like, I'm not asking you to tell everyone how to close. If that's like something you don't want to give away. But oh, I, no, totally. Okay. I am interested in how you like close on these like intimate conversations and move it forward to the next step. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we can include a freebie. I have a whole free mini course on this too, that like teaches you more about every single seven step. And then, and then the close in that course, it's so important. I'm so glad you brought it up because business cards, you don't actually need them. You want to get, it's kind of like dating and you're the guy you want to get her number, right? It doesn't matter if she gets yours. She's not going to call you client. Don't expect the client to call you. You have to get their information because you're the one that has to follow up. You're the business owner, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so you can have cards half the time. I think I used to do, I could, this has been a while. I think I would tell people I just didn't have cards that day as an excuse to get theirs. Cause again, it gives me the power, but you know, that aside, when you're actually going through the discovery process, somebody at this point, you know, you coach them around exactly their pain points and you basically wind it down. I call it, you're looking for the height of their fascination with you. And when you notice that start to happen, You just start to wind it down and just say, you know, if you'd like to go deeper on this, I would really love to offer you a complimentary session, Mm -hmm. which is a question and you leave it at that. So they have to say yes or no. Everyone says yes. I mean, almost everyone. And then you just get out your phone because, and then people mimic you, right? They get out their phone and you just look at your calendar and you're like, how is your week like, you know, next week? Uh-huh. And you close it with a date and time. And they're like, oh, because they're immediately like, they're kind of it's hypnotic, right? It's ethical, but it's still this hypnotic dance that you do where they're just in the moment getting out their phone. Okay, well, next week works for me. I mean, billionaires will do this with you. Millionaires, like people that normally you couldn't get on their calendar. And so you guys are both deciding on a date. You're like, great. You just have to have their information to follow up. And then, you know, hopefully if, if it's in a few days, like they're still excited, they show up, you host that session and then it's a numbers game. Love it. That's a numbers game from the whole beginning. How many events do you have to go to per month to get how many discovery sessions you need to then close how many sales you need? So what I like about it is that it actually has metrics. I personally love math and numbers you know, (laughs) which is why I like this method, even over like DMing people online and trying to get like free organic social media going for you to get high ticket clients. You know, some people might have metrics to like their system there 
but that changes with every algorithm change with every like platform getting bigger, not it just changes so much offline, this method with metrics with like making it a numbers game. It never really changes. So like, let's say at this level of my business and I call it ramp startup, ramp up, scale up. So I'm at the end of what I call ramp up myself. And if I needed like a $50,000 client, I, this to this day would like, okay, I'm going to fly to Florida to the happiness, like, summit where I'm going to mingle with like people that would hire somebody for 50 K right. With like that kind of tier. And I'll just, you know, a three-day conference probably get like five discovery sessions or not even need that many to close that. Mm-hmm. And obviously the thousand bucks to do it all is worth it. Mm-hmm. And then that reinvest in this level, that 50 K and the team that you're hiring and the launch you're setting up and the ad spend you need, whatever. Right. So it, to this day, like offline, Like knowing how to master that is super useful. I love it because it speaks to something that Shanti speaks about all the time, which is like connection is what matters. And in person, it's way easier to connect because I get all those ads, those like, I'm not a coach, but they're like, your coaching business needs to be like, I get all those ads you're talking about, like scale up your coaching business, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, eh, I just must be on the wrong websites, but I don't get any. <laughs> I just, I'm like, thanks Jenna. Or like, whatever, like skip through. Right. But yeah, like meeting people in person, you, uh, there's no more beautiful way to connect than that. You know, and it's one of the things too, that I, when I would really study gurus, like that, I really admire. And I'm like, yes, what they teach is great at later stages of business. Uh And what was unfortunate though, is like, and this is true of all entrepreneurs, the majority of all entrepreneurs are new. And unfortunately that's because a lot thrown the towel because they're not making money fast enough. So same applies to coaches. And yet a lot of marketers are targeting coaches. And then again, the majority are new and they're targeting them by saying, Hey, you know, I'm Tony Robbins. No, I don't know if Tony does this. Let's just, he's really well known. Right. I'm in my chapter 50 and he sold books out of like the trunk of his car to get started. I'm not saying you have to do that, but his chapter one is not what he's doing now. Right. You know, Marianne Williamson, like she's spoken at to empty stages. Like I think Marie Forleo was a relationship coach. Shanti might've told me that you know, anyway, like basically they'll say, this is my chapter 50. It's incredible. If they're bro marketers, they'll show you a picture of their Ferrari. You know, if they're girl marketers, they're just going to show you how they have all the time to be with their family. And they make seven figures and go to the spa. The problem is that they say, I'm at chapter 50. Here's my chapter 20, where you could skip brand new coach in chapter one to chapter 20. If you have my steal my funnel. And it's unfortunate because it's like, no, the reason these people or at their chapter 50 is because they did chapter one, which leads to chapter two, which builds on chapter 10 to get to chapter 20. It doesn't work to go out of order and yet it sells really well. So you have all of these new people getting sold on stuff that once they start to implement, it's why they don't finish courses. It's not a fit for where they're at. Okay. I love this conversation (laughs) and I, I'm trying to like, mind read what our listeners might be thinking. I think a big assumption that people have is, well, the reason that so many coaches struggle and aren't successful and will never reach that like seven figure coaching business mark isn't because they're not working hard or doing the right things, but it's because there's too many coaches and the industry is saturated. And so this is like something I see and hear a lot. I have my own thoughts on it. I feel like we're aligned. We've talked about this a bit. I'd love to hear from your perspective. Like, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, it's, it's, and I hear it all the time too, even in like client, you know, coaches that are like, getting clients offline, online, it doesn't matter. I mean, the thing is that absolutely makes zero sense because there's so many people in the world that hire therapists, right? Coaching is a re- relatively new thing. There's Therefore, there are so many people in the world that would hire a coach, but most people have never met a coach in their lives. So, and once you get into the industry, you feel like everybody and their dog is a coach, but that's because you're in the industry. The majority of people are not in the industry, and they are your prospective clients. And so there will never be enough coaches for all the people that actually need it. So getting in front of like the people that need it, like you're never going to be competing with other coaches for that. Because even if you teach something or you coach on something very similar to somebody else, 
people will find you and they resonate with the way that you teach it versus the way that somebody who has been in business 10 years might teach it. And so, but again, online, you have to really stand out, you know, is that really true? I mean, part of like what you really need to do again online in order to stand out is know your niche. And that is another reason like why, um, and it's funny because whenever I work with contractors and I explain what I do, even all the marketers I work with, they're like, oh my God, if only some of our XYZ clients could have worked with you first because they come to us without like a thoroughly, they don't understand their audience or their pain points. And we're making it up as we go along and then their funnels aren't working because they don't have that foundation built. And so long story short, if you have the foundation built and then you, you know, go online next, it won't seem to you like there's too many coaches out there because people are going to be attracted. And, and then as like an even better way to feel about it, you know, with ad spend, like, there and I love the metrics personally of ads over like a lot of like organic reach because there's there's um, numbers there, right? So if you have 5k to throw at something that you potentially are going to make 30k from, you know, you just need to get a certain amount of people and you'll get that 30k. The 5k is like a no brainer. Mm. So it's weird. This is actually more like of my hypothesis recently is that I'm I would probably encourage coaches to reinvest their revenue much earlier than most people are telling them to into ads Mm. and to not do it by themselves, to actually hire an ad agency that does this professionally DIYing it. It's just, it's, it's just going to be a lot of time and money wasted. That wasn't exactly your point, but, um, but then no, there are definitely not too many coaches out there. Mm. There's a lot of people that need it. I just started working with coaches and like I hired one and she was amazing. And then I hired another one right away. And they're like, like, you know, one is more with copy and then the other one's more with like high ticket. And so like my copy coach can also teach me how to sell high ticket, but I want both. So I, I am in agreement with you at this that like there aren't, and they're, and they're really different people too. So they're, they're both speaking to me in different ways. And I mean, I hired the second one just because her sales call was so good. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, learn that. I, even if all I do is learn from you, what we just, what just happened here, <laughs> um, then we're kind of killing it. Right. I also think, um, because of having worked on your stuff, there's something really neat about like that. Maybe not every coach needs to get to seven figures. Cause like, I don't personally need to get to seven figures in my business. Like, why are we selling this dream state to people who are like actually in it to like transform lives now? Not yeah. that it does totally. need to support your life. Right. I don't I don't want to be like work full time and transform people on the side. But I think there's just something funny with like gurus who are like, become like me when I think that you teach. And again, I'm, I'm maybe projecting from being part of uh, like creating things for you, but like you're more teaching, like a lot of people might stop at this like sweet spot in between sort of that, um, that first and second level. Yeah. I mean, I love what you're bringing up because it's so fascinating to me that, so most people out there aren't making 300,000 a year at all anyway. Right. And like, that's a good, healthy income for a long time. And yet it's fascinating because sometimes I'll be at various events. I was at like one kind of sort of virtual or actually in-person workshop Mm -hmm. where somebody was, you know, the person was selling a hundred thousand dollar mastermind basically. And so it was like a small group of people like at that level. And right before they went into their sales pitch, you know, the coach had talked about, okay, what are your goals for this year? And I swear to God, 10 out of 12 people there had had exactly 1 million as their revenue goal, which to me, I was like exactly working out my numbers. And they were very specific based on programs and various things. Like they were attainable. I'm very realistic, which is bizarre in my family. I'm like the wild child, but in business, I guess I'm really practical. To me, that doesn't work to have some buy in the sky number if it doesn't make sense when I reverse engineer the time that I have and the programs I have to scale it. But I bring this up because what was fascinating is all these women that were like a million dollars this year. And some of them, when I found out later, like only make 90 grand at this point. It's a pretty Mm -hmm. big leap, right? And whenever like, and then when she's like, okay, who wants to join this 100K mastermind? You know, all these people that were going to make a million this year, put their hand down, right? Like they're not, if you were going to make a million, you would probably invest 10% to get there in your mentorship. 
And anyway, it's just this disconnect, I guess, from numbers that, yeah, I don't know if it's just the seven figure mark that all these people Mm -hmm. feel like if they're not doing that, if you're making $800,000 a year as a coach, like that's a huge amount of money. Like you're, you're killing it, right? Like you might just be there for the rest of your career and not have the vanity tagline of I'm a seven figure. Anyway. Mm, no, yeah. I don't. yeah. I recently heard this stat that, that 3% of female business owners reach that seven figure mark. Wow. Like that's the actual statistic. I'm sure it's not that much higher for yeah. um, male business owners either, but, and judging by the stats on like, well, how many new businesses actually succeed? Like those are pretty dismal. So of course the number of like getting to that same seven figure mark, but, but yet that message of that as the destination, the ultimate kind of goal is so in our faces all the time that even for me, I mean, I'm like, fully open to admitting that I, my ego would be so fucking pleased if <laughs> I hit that. Like when you I, I would feel so special. Um, but like, what's <laughs> the, like, what doesn't really matter? I mean, and also we can talk about like the expenses because like right. that yeah. is a huge part of that conversation and how to get there. But yeah, I love your perspective on that there could be enough coaches. I, yeah, I often feel like, oh, everyone's a business coach a coach, like everyone has this level of support, but I just had a call with someone this morning and I was like, have you like, she's like, you know, pretty well into building her business and has a really solid foundation and has a course and has services and has a lot figured out. And I was like, well, have you, have you worked with a business coach before? And when she said, no, I was like, what? Like how you just figure all this out? Like from the very beginning of my own journey, I was like, yes, no, I need help. Like I need someone who's figured things out, who can guide me along. And those investments have always, always paid off in any realm when it comes yeah. to coaching, whether it's like investing in getting healthier or improving your relationships or, you know, so just so many things that's such a valuable, valuable resource that I wish everyone had access to. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Everybody needs. Yeah. Sometimes they talk about, I feel like a little bit, my mission sometimes is not even just to coaches, but it's to like all their clients, you know, that they could serve. And so if they don't get good business training, if they do 80% brand awareness instead of 80% monetized activities, which is what I teach basically make money your first thing to stay in the game long enough to do everything else. You know, if they like close their doors, then there's all of these people that go without, you know, and they think, oh, well, there's plenty of coaches to service those people, but you know, it's this idea that only you could have, right? So if you don't, if you're following either the wrong advice or getting no mentorship, which might be even worse than spinning your wheels on like just the wrong level of advice, then, um, you know, it's not just about you. It's like all the people that you were meant to serve. Yeah. And I love this idea that the expert is only really a couple of steps ahead of you, which means that like new coaches, there is a really important place for them in this like ecosystem of mentorship, right? Like I, I'm not looking for Tony Robbins to coach me like that silly. I'm not looking to get to seven figures. Although if I got to 500 K, I probably like, okay, let's go to a million. Like, I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not here for the game, but like, it's not, I don't know. It's just, it feels like that. Oh my God. I started thinking about sex coaches again. Like uh, maybe I don't want to lift a surfboard with myself, but maybe, (laughs) maybe I do want to work on pelvic floor health. And so maybe my, my, like my coach is just like a, a pelvic floor health coach, not like a, like tantric sex goddess coach or something. (laughs) Like maybe after I got there, I'd be like, okay, yeah, send me the coconut. I'm ready. So anyway, (laughs) 
if I know you, a really good sex coach when you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm probably on her list. Um, but <laughs> I'm just more thinking about like, yeah, my friend who was a sex coach and stopped doing it. Right. And like, and she stopped doing it because, and she would have been so, so good. And maybe she'll go back into it. And there are probably the right people for her, but yeah, I mean, her training taught her to get online right away. Um, even though she was out there teaching people belly fit, which were probably ideal clients to move towards coaching. Right. So I love that idea of what you were saying of like meeting people where they're at, like in person, not just where they're at, like at, at a stage of awareness or at a level, but in person in what you do, because that's where you're going to meet the people that are just a little bit below you that you're not intimidating with a surfboard, you know, or seven figures. Um, yeah. And then they can come well, to you, right? Like then there's the next place they can come to when it's time. You know, and when you meet somebody who you would judge, cause I, a lot of my first clients in a weird way, they had a lot more together than I did. They were first of all in their fifties for whatever reason, very successful women and men, And yet what I realized is that, so in my master's, we talk about the goal line of life and the soul line of life. Mm. So I, my master's was in spiritual psychology and my bachelor's is in psychology, but so as a life and energy healer, I was very much in the soul line and all of these people that had killed it on the goal line, they're not looking for a goal line coach. They were looking for a soul line coach. So even though like I was like making two twenty five hundred a month at Nordstrom at the time when I got these clients, because in my mind, I'm like, well, if I'm going to charge three grand, which doesn't seem like a lot to me now, I have to go to where the wealthy are. And I was in L.A., so I went to Orange County <laughs> and I'd never get into Orange County with wealthy people because I thought, well, who's going to spend three grand? Now I know it could be absolutely anybody like, but long story short, how do you have the confidence to sell that person. It doesn't matter that they needed my service. I don't have to be five steps ahead. I only have to be five steps ahead of them in one area of their life that they were looking for. So now let's say if I went to, and I did do this now that I think about it, I would go to spiritual events in LA. It didn't work there, Mm -hmm. right? Because they were already doing their own spiritual stuff. They had shamans and they had this and that crystal healers. And did they need an energy coach? The people that needed energy coaches, you know, were like the business people, the the people that, you know, the, the shaman follower needs is the business coach. Right. So anyway, that juxtaposition, I would also dress super business-like and talk about esoteric things that worked like balls because, you know, I'm like dressed like a business person like them, but I'm talking about the Akashic records and it's like, they can't almost, they're like trying to figure out how like talk about fascination. They're trying to, they can't put me in a box. I'm talking about things that they read about personally that they don't, they don't give themselves permission to talk about, but I look like them. Mm. I don't teach any of this. This is just riffing for this podcast. But if I think about it, it would work. That's so interesting because what it says is that like, like, I love this idea that you don't have, like, if you're a spiritual coach, you're probably not going to the psychic fair because all of those people are probably like, that's where you're going to end up in a saturated market of spiritual coaches, right? And, but if you're a business coach, let me tell you, I've ran a couple of psychic fairs. Yeah. They need business coaches. So like, maybe (laughs) you know, you put on your long flowing dress and your flowers in your hair, but then actually like, (laughs) like talk while you're getting your psychic reading, maybe even right. Talk to them about business because that psychic probably is more interested in channeling wisdom than business, but they also want to keep eating and having a shelter over their heads. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, this reminds me too of what we were talking about before we hit record. Jen was like, well, where did you find your clients? Like, what were you doing when you were first starting? And I was like, oh gosh, well, back when I was first starting, Facebook groups were the thing. So it was like joining the business Facebook groups and trying to find clients in there and talk about like showing up to the psychic fair as a spiritual coach, like total struggle fest felt like I'm just one of thousands of copywriters in here vying for clients. And like, it's a race to the bottom, 
But when you show up well, one with a clearly defined niche and you know, like people can tell when you know what you're doing and when you have like a level of confidence uh, in who you help and how you help them. And I think that's what makes you stand out in the online space is it's actually a lot easier to, to pick out the people who are like, they know what they're doing. I saw a conversation happening yesterday. It was this big thread about like, oh, I wish that there was a way for people to review coaches and like basically leave negative reviews. And, but like every coach has in their contract, don't shit talk me all over the internet because like, <laughs> you know, when one person's going to have an amazing experience, one person, their experience, they maybe didn't do anything you suggested and it's not going to be as good. And so it's very easy to get into blame mode. And one of the comments was, you know what? People leave footprints. Like you can tell if you really want to know whether someone knows what they're doing and walks their talk and gets good results. It's not difficult to find that out. So yeah, I'm not sure where my tangents going to either aside from like, I think, showing up in spaces where maybe you are the only, the only spiritual coach or copywriter or business coach and, and refining your niche before you jump into this crazy online world. So we talked a bit about the startup phase. I want to just touch on the ramp up phase because you teach, you don't teach in the ramp up phase. Okay. Now it's time to create a course or a low cost membership. $27 products. Like that's not the second phase. That's the third phase. So what happens in ramp up phase? It's such a great question because you would think it would be that course, right? You would think it'd be the low ticket thing and new entrepreneurs, they make this mistake all the time where they like even my sister-in-law, she does Pilates and she's like, Oh, I watched some person's funnel. She didn't know what to call it. I'm like a funnel. <laughs> She's like, and they said to make this $37 thing and da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, Tasha, imagine $37. How many are you going to have to sell to make any amount of money, right? You're going to have to have a huge online following. You're going to have to have online infrastructure and ads. And so basically is it like just a quick rule of thumb with online marketing or anything, even in phase one, you want to sell the highest ticket thing that is appropriate to your phase of business Mm -hmm. and focus on that, which is why high ticket clients is kind of the universal everybody agrees on for phase one. And then they basically, I think the majority would tell people, okay, build a mini course. That's like $300, terrible advice. Cause again, in order to make ROI on that, you're going to have to sell so much of it. Mm -hmm. And by being in that ramp up, you know, phase, especially if you did my method where you're just, you know, in startups, starting to build an online following, it's not going to be that big and ramp up. Maybe you have like a thousand people across the board on like your list, Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So without that tribe, you know, you really have to sell something that is the highest ticket thing that you could off, you know, online. And so that's really where I recommend it makes way more sense to create a group program that's in like the $5,000 range than it does even to do like an online course that's a thousand dollars. And that was more from my direct experience, like kind of reversing those two things where before my maternity leave in what, 2018, I made an online course, which by the way, there's so much that actually goes into like archiving and sorting all of your content, assuming you have a lot of content just to build it. Please don't take the advice that I saw perpetuated in those years of like, build it while you teach. God, don't do that. I was pregnant while I was teaching. I'm like, do not do that. You know, have it all built before you start to like, you know, do the marketing. Anyway, long story short, you can, you can learn that through a group program that is taught virtually. So let's take like exactly like what I'm doing myself, you know, to kind of, cause I realized I skipped this stage and I noticed a lot of people even years ago talking about launches. I would say that is the main difference of what a lot of people had wrong that the idea of like an evergreen funnel that would be a webinar that sells your course that you're tweaking until it optimizes. If it's a thousand dollar course and you have an evergreen funnel, you, it might take you a year before it scales, assuming it's really good content and it could scale. 
And so if you want to keep doing one-on-one while you're trying to get that to scale, you could replace your one-on-one income so much faster by creating a group program that's more in the 5K range and doing a launch to promote it so that it actually sells to like a good 20 or 30 people. Mm -hmm. And then you could make basically six figures per launch and do like three launches a year. So that that ramp up phase, like only last fall got super crystal clear to me when I was coming back into my business. I'm like, I wasn't jazzed about the online course. I'm like, that didn't feel like the right next step. What made so much more sense is to have a group of 30 at 5k, which is $150,000 that I could launch and basically host to 30 coaches, you know, like three times a year. Mm-hmm. And then as you're like perfecting that group program, you just turn it back into an online course. You have at least that 300 K, if not more to Mm -hmm. scale it, to hire the team, to do all of the things. You have the testimonials from the group program. You've perfected the content so that you don't have to refilm the whole course. I know so many seven figure business owners, my copywriters included that read in their course because after running a bunch of people through it, they're like, oh my God, we totally have to like look at it in a different way. If you do group programs first, you won't have to do that. And if you have a launch cycle in place, you're making those hundred grand launches, again, maybe six times a year if you have two programs, you're making half a million from that alone. Mm-hmm. It makes so much more sense to turn all that passive. Right. Um, long explanation. Selfish question because I'm working on a group program. So, what is the difference between a group program and a course to you? Because it sounds to me like this group program like feeds into the course, and you're still giving a lot of like. So, I feel like to me, it's like group programs are only coaching, but it sounds to me like maybe monthly or something. You're also dropping content. I'm not sure. Like I said, selfish question, but probably there. No, no. This is great. Like to talk about the various different offers that are different. So yeah, I would, let's call it like an online course. I would say is anything that is like, you know, do it yourself. Once you buy it, you have like full access usually, or maybe like, it's like access like each week, but it's passive and there's nobody walking you through it. And you're just, it's self-led. Yeah. A group program would be like virtual, but live. So maybe, you know, like mine, for example, is three months long. We meet twice a week. You could also do a group program that's six months once a week or twice a week versus like a mastermind is usually a year. That is something in scale up that I would recommend to kind of wait for that based on what you want to charge. And then there's also, what were you saying to something around? Just like content, um, I guess. Or like a membership offer. Right. So like a product of a membership, which is really fascinating too. So like any kind of ongoing, like monthly membership that somebody's paying like a hundred bucks a month, mm-hmm. 300 a month, you know, sometimes it includes like live events, you know, but it's that membership piece is a really great product to have probably sometime at the end of ramp up, beginning of scale up, because like for mine, mine is going to be, it's not made yet, basically just energy clearing for coaches. Mm. So even though I'll have all these different programs and online courses, you know, in addition to the ones I already have for scale up, for startup, for ramp up, all of those coaches could be in this one membership group. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what phase you're in because the energy clearing, you know, knows no bounds. It doesn't have to be phase specific. Mm. For, for me too, I like energy clearing as like a membership because as opposed to like business development on, on a membership level, like I've been in those and it, after a while there's attrition, there's an attrition problem because you just, you're, you just get overloaded. You don't need more. Whereas energy clearing is like showering. You're never done. (laughs) It's like constant maintenance, constantly going to the next level. Like it's super passive to listen to the clearing or the EFT and just supercharge wherever you're at in your business. And so, but the recurring product makes sense because then the more launches you have, the more courses you scale, all of those people maybe get a free taste of your membership when they're in that course or program. And then they get the option to buy in and potentially become a lifelong member So a lot of the eight figure coaches I know when I study like what they do, uh, they're making eventually a lot of their money on memberships because they're getting everybody from everything else they've ever done into that low cost membership that makes, you know, multiple millions a year. And again, this is like a good example of why that low cost, that hundred dollar product, you know, it's just, it's always shocking to me that these gurus don't analyze themselves. 
and understand why that works for them now. It doesn't make sense when you only have a thousand people following you. Totally. Right. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah. And you really do teach like, I, or I love what you teach around, like, don't get ahead of yourself and don't necessarily like work where you are, because just like your niche will come to you organically. So will the next steps offer. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So Jen, you've got this epic challenge coming up. Can you tell us, can you like give spill all the tea, tell us what that's all about. And we will link to it in the show notes, but I've seen a little bit behind the scenes and seems like there's going to be some really juicy stuff in there. So please give us the deets. Yeah. So I am hosting a challenge. It's called your fastest way to hundred K. So it's kind of similar to what we've talked about and it's a three-day challenge. So it's short and sweet. It's usually maybe like an hour, hour and a half tops where the first day I really dive even more than we've done on the podcast to talk about like the phases, the ins and outs of every phase. So it's really pure business model on that first day. And that alone can be so like relieving to coaches because a lot of them are hearing, you know, they're starting to understand what all of these offers are maybe for the first time. And so having it explained in a way where they're like, okay, this offer matches with this sales method. Like for example, you know, the sales method of a group program matches with a launch and eventually an online course matches with evergreen funnel. And so, you know, if you understand what, and, and then, you know, high ticket can match with offline that's why you want to kind of build, you know, as you go. And, and then I talk about like how, you know, especially you don't have to run through your savings because if you're making money and you're building in the, that logical, sustainable way, then you have, you have money from the business itself to reinvest at the next level, which I think is just general business advice. Like, <laughs> so the business model is all about that first day. And then we dive into rate sheets. So I'm really passionate too, to kind of get coaches to start before they're ready because you'll never feel ready when you're new. I remember this was a huge hangup for me. I was always like, at first I'm like, who am I to be a coach? Or, you know, I'm just not ready. I need to do this extra thing. And over the years I've seen coaches, they get addicted to courses. They're like called course junkies at this point where they're like, I need more education. I need to learn that energy healing facilitation modality, or I need this, or I need that. And I need my website to look perfect. You actually need none of that. You truly, the only thing you really need, even over a website, you know, you could go on Squarespace or show it and build one in a weekend, um, which is all I say to do. And then you just need a rate sheet. You need to know what you're going to charge and you need to know how to incentivize that with like a time-based incentive to create scarcity and urgency so that in those discovery sessions, you can close clients. So on that second day, we talk all about money and I give them templates so they can actually like get their, like the rate sheets I recommend for different phases. And it can be different. Like I've met brand new coaches before they came from corporate, they were making over 200 K a year. So they immediately went into what I'd call ramp up high ticket one-on-one prices. And if you can sell it, it's awesome. Most coaches though, want to start, you know, under 10 K and and then that will also accompany like at night, they, they'll just get emailed from me, like an energy clearing on like numbers and money, because a lot of people have karma related to like numbers and money. And if they clear all of that and, you know, their childhood programming around money, then they can, you know, that weekend, the goal is that they can go out and get a client. That's the whole goal of the challenge. And then the third day is really to like open people's eyes up to Dawn's great question you know, and this objection I hear all the, all the time of like, oh, there's no good events near me. And I love to challenge people to do the research and they will actually hundred percent find that there's lots of good events near you. I'm having my VA actually right now in all of like the major, maybe we'll do Canada too, but in a lot of the major cities, like starting to find in different tiers of that net, those networking tiers, like events right after this challenge, like you know, in cities all over the country so that I can kind of show coaches, Hey, here's an example calendar. Are you in Atlanta? You know, are you near Atlanta? Are you near Phoenix? Okay. So here's like 10 events near you. And then I'm going to walk them through how I search for events and like Eventbrite and like, you know, how I basically fill a calendar with enough of all the different tiers of, of events that, you know, if they come to that third day, we'll make it a numbers game for them. 
So again, the challenge is basically to, you know, show up for those three days and then go off that next week and get clients. (laughs) I love it. So actionable and immediate ROI. So we'll link to that in the show notes. We will link to the quiz if it's ready to go. Um, And everything else that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Where else can people connect with you and find you? They can find me on my website, which which is just jenniferpierce.com. And yeah, and hopefully we'll have that quiz up soon. I cannot wait. And thank you for having me. This was so much fun. (laughs) So fun. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your wealth of wisdom with us all. And we'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Whoa, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, Take the unfair advantage quiz at shantyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.